Hello friends, welcome back to our podcast The Italians, the morals, the manners and everything else. This is part two, the Italians who came early. At the invitation of Benjamin Franklin, Filippo Mazzei came to Virginia from England in 1773 for the purpose of conducting agricultural experiments. But his close friendship with Franklin and Thomas Jefferson soon led him to become involved in the American struggle for the independence. Using the pen name Furioso, Mazzei wrote a series of articles for the Virginia Gazette which attacked the British for their misrule of the American colonies and urged an independent form of government that would provide equality for all men. The articles written in Italian and translated into English by Jefferson had a strong influence on the thinking of Americans who would have become the leaders of the revolution that followed. In one of his articles, Mazzei wrote, All men are by nature equally free and independent, equal to each other in natural rights. Jefferson was so impressed by this thought that when he wrote the Declaration of Independence, he was inspired to translate it into the immortal phrase, all men are created free and equal. Mazzei forcefully expressed views probably hastened the colony's break with England. He was able to convince some of the American statesmen that total independence was indeed necessary. Although the Italian philosopher had no official part in the establishment of the new nation, one writer has noted that he could well be considered an assisting founding father. Jefferson must have had a similar opinion, for in one of his letters he referred to Mazzei's early and zealous cooperation with the establishment of our independence. The great-grandson of one of the early Italian settlers in Maryland did, however, play an official role in the founding of the United States. His name was William Paca, a member of the Maryland Legislature and the Continental Congress. He was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence and later became governor of Maryland. The Italians who came to the United States between the Revolution and the Civil War were relatively few in number, estimated at about 12,000. Their impact on the nation, however, was considerable. Unlike the mass of Italian immigrants who were to start coming toward the end of the centuries, these Italians were mainly from the northern part of Italy, and a fairly high percentage of them were educated men who quickly found places in American society as doctors, lawyers, teachers, and ministers. Educated or not, they were an enterprising lot, willing to go anywhere in their search for economic opportunities, they scattered to all parts of the country. Some 300 of them traveled across the continent during the California gold rush of 1849. Few found gold 
but many remained to become fishermen or to cultivate vineyards that eventually led to the establishment of California thriving wine industry. An outstanding Italian immigrant of that era was Francesco Vigo's nephew, Paolo Busti, who arrived in 1850 as an American agent for the Holland Land Company. The company owned about 5 million acres of underdeveloped land in New York and Pennsylvania. Boosty, an experienced land developer, transformed this vast wilderness into sites for villages, towns, and cities. Buffalo, some historians claim, was one of those cities. In that period, G.P. Morosini, an Italian who had arrived in the country as a penniless sailor, also helped stimulate economic progress. He became an influential banker, a partner of the renowned railroad magnate Jay Gould. There was also the Italian-American Giuseppe Tagliabue, who invented and manufactured valuable instruments for the navigators and meteorologists and Louis Tinelli, who pioneered in American silk. Some of the poorest Italian immigrants became America's earliest missionaries of popular culture. They were the Italians who went from street to street selling statutory or playing music. The first artwork of any kind owned by thousands of American families were the statuettes of historical and mythological figures peddled by these immigrants. The earliest musical performances heard by Americans were often those of the Italian strolling musicians. In later years, the street musicians included hundreds of picturesque organ grinders who cranked out a steady stream of Italian arias. Each organ grinder usually traveled with a companion a saucy monkey on a leash. The monkey would hold out his cap for coins after each performance, and then delight audiences with his comic bowing and scraping whenever anyone gave money. Because the nation was so new and a great deal of physical energy was required to build its economy, Americans had little time to encourage an appreciation for good music. Their encouragement at first came largely from Italians who had been accomplished musicians in their homeland. For example, it was Filippo Traetta, an Italian composer who founded the first American conservatory of music in Boston in 1803 and later on found a second conservatory in the city of Philadelphia. The Italian immigrant who dominated the American musical scene in those years was Lorenzo da Ponte. When he arrived in New York at the age of 56, he was already famous as a libretto writer for the most famous of Mozart's operas. Da Ponte had been an adventurer with a somewhat dubious past, an ex-priest who fled to America to shake off his London creditors, but he soon became highly respected here for his successful activity in making Americans more appreciative of Italian opera. 
Daponte established the New York Opera Company, the first serious attempt to present opera regularly in the United States. A brilliant impresario, a writer and a scholar, he became identified with Italian culture in general, so much so that in 1825 Columbia College, not yet a university, appointed Daponte its first professor of Italian language and literature. Italy was not a nation just yet during this period. It was made up of a series of states, like Piedmont and Sicily, which had separate governments that were under foreign domination. Although there had been several attempts by Italian patriots to free the states and unify them into one nation, they had not been very successful. The Italians who took part in these attempts were considered dangerous radical by the authorities and had to find refuge outside their homeland. One of them was the United States. A large group of these exiles chose to come to the United States because our country was recognized the world as a heaven for all men who believed in freedom and democracy. In New York they organized an Italian guard for the purpose of training soldiers who would one day fight for Italian unity and independence. But before that day arrived, the American Civil War broke out, and many members of the Italian Guard joined the Northern Army to help preserve the Union. They fought bravely in all great battles, and three of them were singled out for their unusual courage and given the nation's highest military award, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Among the Italian exiles to arrive here before the Civil War was the famous Italian general and hero, Giuseppe Garibaldi, who later was to liberate the Italian people from their foreign rulers and make it possible for them to achieve unification. While Garibaldi waited for a strategic time to resume his military campaign in Italy, he lived in the home of an Italian inventor friend Antonio Meucci, in Rosebank, Staten Island, and earned his livelihood work in Meucci's candle factory. Abraham Lincoln was one of Garibaldi's warmest admirers. After Garibaldi had scored a series of military triumphs in Italy that removed the chief obstacles to unification, President Lincoln offered him the post of a major general in the Union forces. Tell him, he wrote, his American representative in Europe, that this government believes he will, if possible, accept the call because it is too certain that the fall of the American Union would be a disastrous blow to the cause of human freedom, equally here, in Europe, and throughout the world. General Garibaldi will recognize in me not merely an organ of the government, but an old and sincere friend. Although Garibaldi replied that he would be happy to serve a country for which I have so much affection and of which I am an adaptive citizen, his countrymen would not permit him to accept President Lincoln's offers. They insisted that he remain in Italy to lead a march onto the city of Rome, which was still under foreign rule. This concludes part two 
of the podcast The Italians and titled The Italians Who Came Early. <laughs>